Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. I don't even know how to follow that. That's amazing, and I love seeing stuff like that because we are beginning a new series today, and I'm so thankful you're all here today because this series really speaks to this, this thing that we're all facing in our world, which is there's a lot of things out there that are trying to do a sleight of hand on our lives. It's trying to trick us. It's trying to deceive us. It's trying to make us think we're seeing something that maybe we're not and keeping our eyes not focused on what we really should be focused on. The world is a crazy place. It's been crazy for a long time, but it feels like it's gotten crazier over the last couple of years. Maybe that's just me. But as we begin this series, don't be fooled. We're talking about the distraction and the deception that the enemy wants to use on us, God's people, to keep us from being fully who he has called us and created us to be. And so I'm so excited that I uh, get to kick off this series because uh, when Pastor Ricardo and I first started talking about it, I was like, this seems so timely for where we are at as a people, as a nation, as Christians in this world, where we are so easily fooled, distracted by what's going on. In fact, today, um, I want to talk about, as we kick this thing off, this idea of what it means to be distracted. I mean, have you ever been distracted? Yeah, right? As I prepared for this sermon this week, I was totally distracted. Uh, I was distracted because I kept getting text messages on my phone. I was distracted by emails that kept popping up. I was distracted by conversations with people at work, by a dog that was barking outside the window, and by that really annoying neighbor with the really loud Dodge Charger that happens to rev his engine every time he drives by my front door. All these things are not big deals in and of themselves, right? I mean, in fact, the, test, the text message, that was my wife telling me that she loves me. That's a good thing. I like that. Uh, the email was from my boss telling me that I'd done a great job on a project. The conversations with my coworkers were important details about a conference that we're working on for next week. So those are all good things. I mean, they're not bad distractions. They were just distractions. The dog barking? just one of those things. The engine revving, totally annoying. <laughs> totally distracting because I got up from my desk and I walked over to the window and I, I, I shook my head and kind of muttered to myself as he drove by because I'm literally turning into a crotchety old man. He's literally, turn down your engine, you crotchety kid. But these distractions, the good ones and the bad ones, were keeping me from something really important, which is finishing this message about being distracted from what really matters most. Well, let's be clear about what I say when I mean uh, what really matters most. If you're here today with us, if you're watching online, and if you claim Jesus Christ as your Savior, then, well, what really matters most in your life is Him. Knowing Him better, discovering Him in new ways, asking Him to guide your steps and heart and mind and life, and knowing that as you make Him the most important thing in your life it will never be the same. That's why watching this, this patching ceremony today was so amazing. That pledge, that's amazing. I looked at my kids and said, that is a commitment to say, Jesus, I'm going to live for you in a big way. That's the most important thing. That was so cool to see that. I'm like, you couldn't have timed it better, so thank you for that. <laughs> you know, I know that that's my most important thing. I've loved Jesus for a very long time. I know that I made him the Lord of my life when I was just six years old. Uh, my dad led me to Christ when I was a little kid. But in the many years since that day when I made the decision, I have been distracted a lot. 
Like the dog in the movie Up. You ever seen that movie? Yeah. Uh, my relationship with Christ has been like this. Jesus, I love you so much, and I'm so glad you saved me. Please help me walk this path you've created me for. Help me be the man you want me to be. And squirrel! If you've been following Christ for longer than 24 hours, you understand what I'm saying here, right? There are so many things that distract us and fool us into thinking they are the most important thing. 80 years ago, uh, this, this last year, 80 years ago this year, one of my favorite writers saw that his fellow Christians were getting distracted. Uh, he was an Irishman who was living in England. He was a, a, a professor at uh, Oxford University. And he was watching along with his fellow countrymen at what was going on in mainland Europe at the time. Uh, as you might recall your history, if you know it, in the early 1940s, it was not a good time to be living in Europe. Uh, the rise of Nazi Germany, uh, fascist Italy, the invasions of Poland and France, the inevitable path to war, all of this was obviously constantly in the hearts and minds of, uh, of average people. And just like you and I, they were struggling with questions of, of what mattered most, whether God was in control, what to do, how to stay focused on heaven when the world was literally descending into hell. So over the course of 1941, uh, author C.S. Lewis published in a journal a series of letters, letters that were uh, supposedly uh, written from the viewpoint of a devil attempting to help another devil keep a young man from developing a firm faith in Jesus Christ. Since being published in book form in 1942, the book called The Screwtape Letters has sold millions and millions of copies. The series that we start today, Don't Be Fooled, is partially inspired by some of the writings in that book. Because even though it was written 80 years ago, the things it says are as timely today, here in 2021, as they were at the start of World War II. And to me, that's just scary. The world is so messed up. When you think of World War II, you're like, wow, hot mess. You look at 2021, you're like, okay, yeah, hot mess. It's not good. We may not be facing a world at war. We may not be facing a world at war. But over the last few years, hasn't it felt like it was easy to be distracted from what matters most? You only need to open your social media, turn on the news, or have a conversation with someone to realize that the world seems a bit messy and messed up, and doing what we are called to do as Christians can get harder and harder. And then sometimes it can even feel next to impossible. Each chapter of the book, uh, The Screwtape Letters, is written by a devil named Screwtape, who is doing his best to assist his nephew, a junior devil, uh, in keeping a young man from knowing Christ and developing a strong foundation of faith and a deeper relationship with the Savior. He does this by suggesting ways the enemy our enemy can best do this. It may not surprise you that the first tactic suggested by Screwtape is one of distraction. In fact, he even tells Wormwood, his nephew, do remember that you are there to fuddle him. What a fantastic line. What a great word, right? Fuddle. It has a meaning as both a noun and a verb. If someone is fuddling you, they are confusing or stupefying you. As a noun, the word fuddle means a state of confusion. It's the opposite of the word wisdom, which is one of those things that God wants most for his children, right? Wisdom means the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. 
Wisdom means you know what to do and you act on it. One of my favorite verses in the Bible actually speaks to this. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Knowing that our days are limited, that we don't have, you know, forever to live out the most important thing, why would we want to have anything but wisdom, right? Why would we not want to know that our actions and our decisions, the things that we're saying on social media, the things that we're talking about, the things that we engage with, are measured by knowing what matters most? The reason that it doesn't happen is because, folks, we are fuddled. And people who are fuddled do not act on wisdom. I know that I probably have been uh, fuddled often over the last couple of years. Anyone else feel a little fuddled? I can't believe I've used the word fuddled so many times in one, uh, in one thing here. This is crazy. But yeah, I, I feel like the world's gone a little that way too. I mean, regardless of the politics or the world events or anything else, this is a giant win for the enemy. He loves seeing God's people confused and stupefied. That's another great word, by the way, which means to make someone unable to think or feel properly. You feel a little stupefied over the last couple of years? Yeah. Christians unable to think or feel properly means the greatest force for change and impact in the world, which is the church. And I don't mean just journey church. I mean the church. That's you and me, the church. If, if we're fuddled, stupefied, confused, not living out daily wisdom, that means we are completely incapable of fulfilling the Great Commission, the last command of our Savior, which is what? To go into all the world and preach the gospel. You can't preach the gospel if you can't really remember what you're supposed to do. When you're fuddled and stupefied by the state of the world, the enemy laughs and rejoices and knows that we are being distracted by uh, gas prices. Ouch. The economy. Ouch. Vaccinations. Ouch. Politics, mm, governors, mm, and all the rest of the stuff that we can't seem to get away from. We are distracted, folks, from what matters most. I mean, you can wake up. I, I do this. I can wake up determined to start the day with a good Bible reading, some great time in prayer, and I can even ask God, hey, God, how can I serve you better today? How can I best live out in my job, in my life, with my kids, with my family, with the people that I know and talk to? How can I best live for you today? And I'll focus on what is eternal, but within a few moments of that, something has pulled me away. And by the end of the day, when I finally lay down to go to sleep, I say, where'd the day go? How did I get so distracted? And then I answer myself, maybe you do this too. Well, life got in the way. Life happened. It's just life. Life gets in the way. It's okay. Well, this line from Screwtape seems to speak to that. He says, You will find that you have been strengthening in him the fatal habit of attending to universal or eternal issues and withdrawing his attention from the stream of immediate sense experiences. Your business is to fix his attention on the stream. Teach him to call it real life, and don't let him ask what he means by real. Fixing attention on the stream 
of all the things that happen in real life and not realizing for a moment that real means far more than just living every single day. If that was what we were created for, barf. I don't want to live for that. Live for having a cup of coffee in the morning. I started drinking black coffee because I realized I'm an adult. Um, it's gross. My grandma drank black coffee for like 50 years. She died when she was 96 and a half years old, so it clearly did something good for her. So I'm like, well, I want to live to be 100, so I'll do what grandma did. Um, but it's disgusting. And I don't like hot beverages because I'm a baby. And I tend to like throw a hot beverage back like it's like, oh, it's like chocolate milk. And then I realize I've just burned the roof of my mouth and I can't taste anything for the next week and a half because you know that happens. So I drink it iced. Iced black coffee is like death. <laughs> if that's real life, no thank you. If real life is worrying about bills and the economy and all that, God has created us for a garbage life. The surprise is, that's not what God created us for. That's not what real life actually is. The real life is the eternal, the true life, the plan and the purpose of God revealed in our lives as we do what? As we follow him. <laughs> yes. You know, if we get so focused on the stream of the immediate on this constant stream of stuff that's coming at us to remind us of what everyday life is all about, we will not even notice when we've moved away from what matters most. We'll get so accustomed to it that it just becomes acceptable. Like black coffee. God, please keep me from ever letting it become acceptable to me. The big things of the last year, of course, are a bit distracting, right? We can even say, I may have been a bit too focused on politics recently and missed out on doing what God wants me to do. Maybe you can say that. I had to stop using Twitter last year because Twitter is a dumpster fire, like most social media. But I would get on Twitter and I would get so worked up over politics and arguing with people about things that don't really matter. And my wife was like, okay, you're done. She's watched my blood pressure like shoot up. I mean, last year I went to the, I actually had to go to the ER because my blood pressure was so out of control. Um, too much black coffee. <laughs> and politics. Not a good combination for this guy. Real life was not good and not real. Maybe you spent a lot of time thinking about masks versus no masks. Vaccines versus no vaccines. What's going on in Sacramento? or even in Washington, D.C. And you recognize it, hopefully, and you can say, oh, sorry, Lord. I uh, know this seems like the most important thing right now, what Nancy Pelosi's doing or what Gavin Newsom's doing or what my mom posted on Facebook about what Gavin Newsom is doing. <laughs> but I do realize that you're the most important thing. Please forgive me. Hopefully we do that. But here's the sly thing the enemy does. He uses the little things just as easily as those giant big things. The stream of things in the immediate, these things that keep us focused on real life, do not have to be big, world, life-changing things. Having a headache. 
dirty laundry, your kids' homework, stress at work, a sink full of dishes when you go to bed, hosting a party, planning your Christmas lists when all of the stuff you want to buy is sitting out in the ocean. <laughs> and you're trying to figure out how to hijack a boat so you can go Christmas shopping on the day after Thanksgiving. Watching Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus or whatever other streaming service you're using. It's the constant dip, drip, drip, drip of everyday small things. And all of these grab our attention. They capture our minds and they fool us into thinking that they are actually what our lives are all about. Have you watched the Squid Game? Because that's what my life has been about recently. It's a series on Netflix about Korean people who entered a game where they're going to get themselves killed. Those are the conversations people at work are talking about. Okay, sure, it's a series, but is that everyday life? Hmm, go into debt, need to make money, die trying to make money. That sounds like everyday life. But it's not real. It's a show. But people get consumed about it. They think about it. They post it on Facebook. They post it on social media. They talk about it with their friends. And it doesn't matter whether it's a Netflix series or whether it's Dirty Dishes or your kids. Why did you not just write the essay? You could have just written the essay. If you just written the essay, you'd have an A in the class, but you didn't write the essay. So now you're getting a C plus. C plus. Why? All of these little things, they trick us into thinking these are what really matters. This is what life is all about. But remember, they are not. If we think that, guess what we are? We are fuddled. Please use that word this week. I challenge you, in a conversation with someone who is not here today or watching online, say to them once they start posting crap on Facebook, sorry, I said crap. My mom grew up on a farm, and so that was the acceptable kind of swear word you could say, because you couldn't say the other one. You all know what I'm thinking. So I grew up, that was our word, and as a pastor, I have failed so many times. Even when I was a kid's pastor, I had to say that word in kid's church, and I had to go to Pastor Ricardo and apologize. I said a swear in church today, and he was like, oh Lord, what did you say? I said, I said the C word. He goes, crap. I said, yes. He's like, well, there's worse things you could say. I said, yes, there is. <laughs> fuddled. So fuddled. In fact, there's a story from the life of Jesus where this actually happens. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus goes to stay at the house of some of his best friends. Uh, two sisters and her brother, their name are Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They live in a city called Bethany, which is outside of the big city of Jerusalem. It's like a little suburb. And it's one of the few times uh, in the Bible where Jesus actually goes and hangs out with people just to kind of hang out with them, right? Um, it's nice to see that Jesus had friends. He wasn't as busy always discipling people like, you know, go, go do this, go do that. Let me train you how to change the world. He just likes to hang out with people, which is awesome because I love a God I love a savior who's so real that he just likes to hang out with people and have dinner. That's awesome. So uh, Luke um, chapter 10, verse 39. Um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Uh, Mary, uh, Martha's busy doing something. Mary's doing something. Lazarus sitting there. Actually, Lazarus really isn't mentioned in this at all, so I don't know what he was doing. He's probably watching the ball game. He's watching Squid Game. 
Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Jesus comes into the house and he does what Jesus does best. Yes, he's hanging out with his friends, but Jesus just starts talking and Jesus, because he's Jesus, naturally starts sharing God's plan for the kingdom of God in their lives. This is how you like to be different. Mary, listen to this. And yeah, there's a lot of people coming over, a lot of plans to be made, a big meal to finish. But Mary just sits down and starts listening to Jesus. And I got to tell you, I wish I was like Mary. Just sit down and start listening to Jesus. Yeah, start talking. Go, Lord. Verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Aha! That's the word. Distracted. What was she focusing on? What was in her stream of the immediate, as Screwtape said? A good thing. She's doing a very good thing. She's making dinner for Jesus. If anyone wants to say that's a bad thing, I got a bone to pick with you. Making dinner for God? The pressure is huge because he created dinner. You know, he knows, like, I know what that tastes like, so you better do a good job on that. I made that. But she's making dinner for Jesus. I mean, that's a, that is a very, very good thing. It's honorable. And while Martha is so busy doing this good thing, she sees her sister, and like any sister relationship, it bugs her when her sister isn't doing what she thinks her sister should be doing. I know this because I have two daughters. And although they are both adult-type children. I've got a 22-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old. Uh, they share a room still because California is expensive, so my oldest daughter still lives with us. Surprise! California is expensive. Didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> and, uh, so they, and I'll be like just sitting there working, and all of a sudden, there's yelling coming from the bedroom. What's happening, I wonder? <laughs> is something earth-shattering has just happened? Is the world about to end? Has the Lord himself descended from heaven with a shout and declared, this is going to happen? And my girls are like, ah! No, that's not what's happening. What's happening is there's a blanket <laughs> that belongs on one corner of the bed that one does not want to fold, but the other says, well, you're not doing anything, so why don't you fold the blanket? Well, I don't want to fold the You should. Why are you folding And all of a sudden, there's a giant fight going on because one sister thinks the other sister should do what the other sister should do, which is exactly what Martha and Mary are feeling right now. Martha's like, I'm busy making dinner. She's sitting there doing nothing. God Hello. <laughs> she comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I love what she has to say. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? She's assuming Jesus is going to say, yeah, that's totally unfair, Martha. Like every sibling, they want dad to agree with them, right? She says, Jesus, tell her to come and help me. Jesus does not do what Martha expects. He doesn't give Mary a swift rebuke and tell her to get back into the kitchen where the women belong. No, I'm just joking. I don't really feel that way. My wife is at work right now, so trust me, if she, I don't feel that way. Honey, if you watch this video, I don't feel that way. I can't believe I just said that. Anyway, um, he does not tell her to get back into the kitchen and start making dinner. He, he, I expect that Jesus actually smiles a bit because he knows that Martha's not doing a bad thing or a wrong thing by focusing on cooking dinner. He's like, probably chuckles. <laughs> Martha, 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 you are worried and upset over all these little things, all these details, chopping the vegetables, cooking the stew, getting the stuff ready, Whatever you're doing, it smells delicious, but Martha, you're so worried and upset about it. 
Why? Because Martha was fuddled. The Lord acknowledges this. He knows the immediate pressing things are hurting Martha's mental well-being, her physical health, and even her spiritual health. He's well aware that this good thing is not good for her to be so focused on. He says this, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and will not be taken away from her. What was Mary doing? The only thing worth being concerned about. Spending time with Jesus. Listening to Him. Learning from Him. Growing in Him. Living for Him. In other words, she is doing the most important thing. The enemy so wants us to be distracted, to be fuddled, to be stupefied by the mess of the world and the everyday things in our lives. He doesn't want us to live the real life that you and I were called to, the higher purpose we were created for. The last thing the enemy wants from Christians, the last thing he wants from us, church, is for us to number our days that we may know a heart of wisdom. Because if we realize that our time is limited, that our days are not going to last forever, then we will not be fooled so easily. The distractions, whether big or small, are not what Jesus wants for us. Can I be blunt for just a minute? The most important thing is not. It's not politics. There are a lot of things we can say about politics and Christians and how we should be good citizens and vote and be involved in our communities. I 100% agree with that. But politics, regardless of what party you are in or who you voted for, is not going to change the heart of people and help them know Jesus and go to heaven. Pandemics. Jesus doesn't care if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. If you like masks or don't like masks, Jesus doesn't care. He does care, however, if you prayed for, helped, and showed grace and mercy to the person who feels the opposite of you. If you love vaccinations and you're with someone who doesn't, love the heck out of them. If you hate wearing a mask and you walk into a building where masks are required, then as a Christian, you better be the most amazingly gracious, God-loving person who ever walked to the face of the earth. Show them care and love and respect and honor because that's what Jesus wants us to do as his representatives into the world. Personally, God cares for what matters to you. The Bible says that our Father in heaven cares more about each of us than anything else in his creation. He loves you. He created you. He loves every little thing about you. He looks at you and goes, yes, I made a good thing when I made this person. But the dirty dishes, your kids' grades, your weight loss, what you watched on Netflix are not important if they're keeping you from reading the Bible, getting involved at your church, being a godly witness, or showing others how much Jesus matters in your life. The title of this sermon series is Don't Be Fooled. Don't let the enemy distract you or fuddle you with all these things, good, bad, and everything in between, because that's what he is and that's what he does. This is why Peter wrote that we believers are supposed to be the opposite of fuddled. 
Many translations take this verse from 1 Peter and say it this way. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded. If you've never not been sober, you don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. <laughs> no judgment here. But if you've never, if you've been in a moment where you've not been sober, you know what I'm talking about. You know why Peter says, be sober-minded. Your brain is 100% fuddled when you put stuff into your system. So be wise. Be unfuddled. It can also be said this way. Keep a cool head. Keep your head clear. Stay alert. Why is that? Oh, here's why. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around looking like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. A fuddled person easily falls for distractions. They become easy prey for an enemy who is dead set against them, living out the real, amazing, wonderful life that God has called us to and created us for. As Jesus said so clearly to Martha, there is only one thing that is worth being concerned about. The most important thing, it's him. It's him and the mission he has given us. The mission he's given you and me, all of us. That's what we're called to do, to glorify the Savior, to let other people know him and save as many people as we can before they're sent to hell. Have you been distracted recently? Do you feel fuddled? I get it. I get it. It's easy for me to, to preach a sermon, to write some notes, to look at Scripture and say, hey, here's what you should do. Lord, here's what I should do. God, I confess. I've been distracted. I've been distracted from living out my mission, which was actually beautifully stated in the mission we heard you guys commit to a few moments ago. My mission is to live as a missionary, to live out the cause of Christ every single day, wherever I go. And if I'm not doing that at home, at work, on the street, at the grocery store, at the restaurant, here at church, then I'm distracted. I'm fuddled. I'm not living out the real life that God has called for me. Do you feel like you've been that way at all recently? Will you do me a favor? Let's just, will you stand with me for a second? The enemy knows what could happen if the people in this room stopped being distracted. Just one person, one, Christ, one Christian, not distracted, fully engaged with the mission of God, living the real life that he has called them to live, could change the course of the city of Ventura. Two people could change the course of the state of California. Three people, the United States of America. Four people, all of North America. Five people, the Western Hemisphere. Do you see what I'm saying? 
we're so distracted that we kind of forget what we're supposed to do. And I guess I just want to say, if you've been that way, let's change it. Let's do something about it. In fact, Pastor Ricardo, I think we, let's, you know what? If, if you've been distracted recently, can you just do us a favor? Come forward. Let's pray. I want to pray. We want to pray for anyone that feels that way. Yeah, we, we talked about this and prayed about this together. And we just believe that this is kind of another commissioning, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, this isn't a patch in for black sheep. This is a commitment to follow this, this to, to, to avoid the distractions, mm-hmm. to get beyond them and to give ourselves completely to the mission of God. And so, as we've said, distraction and deception are the enemies of God's mission. That is what we're asking everyone in this room to say, I am committed 100% to avoiding those distractions and those deceptions, and I'm committed to following the mission of God. And I think this is just one of those commission moments. Yeah. If you're feeling that way, if you feel distracted recently, just come forward. We want to pray for you. We want to pray together with you because you're not alone in this. In fact, if we were all honest, every single person in this room could walk forward right now because we've all been distracted. And I love your honesty. I love the fact you're being real because, guys, this is what it's all about. The real life we've been called to is not living every single day doing the same old thing. The real life is Jesus in your life doing amazing things because he loves you, he created you. And oh my Lord God, just you alone could change the world tomorrow. Just you alone could change the world tomorrow. Because we're all so distracted, so God help us, right? And if you're back there and you don't feel comfortable coming forward, that's okay. Because I know you're distracted, so I'm going to pray for you too. <laughs> you know what? Let's do this. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if, you wanna, if you're back there and you want to pray for the folks that are up here, let's do that. But let's all, whether you're online or whether you're with us in the room today, God, we give these folks to you. We give these souls to you. The enemy wants to distract us. He's been using every trick in his book to keep the Christians, the church, from being alive, from being active, from taking the fight back to the enemy where it belongs and saying to him, we will not be distracted by you. We will not be moved by you. We will not be deceived by your lies anymore because we serve the risen God, Jesus Christ, who has changed our lives and who will change this world as we follow you. So God, we pray right now, Jesus, in in your name, that the enemy will be silenced. We pray in the name of Jesus and not through anything we can do through our own power because God is alive. Jesus has been risen from the dead and the enemy has been defeated that we can fight every distraction that he sends. God, if it's political stuff that we've been dealing with, then help remove our minds from the constant barrage. If it's health distractions, God, I pray for a healing. I pray for your amazing power to flow through the bodies and give them the healing that they need. God, if it's mental distraction, and calm our minds, calm our spirits, help us focus in on you. God, we ask you to remove any distraction in our lives that would get in the way from living the real life that you have called us and created us for. The most important thing is you. The most important thing is you. And God, we are so thankful that you you chose us. You asked us to be part of the most important thing. So God, for every man and woman, every child, every person who's up here at the front of this altar, God, I pray that you will bless them. I pray that you will just that they will feel your Holy Spirit right now 
flowing through them, removing the enemy's lies, removing his distractions, and that we all, all of us, the church, universal, every Christian in America and every Christian across the world would say, we are done with the lies of the enemy. We will not be distracted. We will focus on what God said was the most important thing, which is him. So God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise because you are the author and finisher of our faith. You are the one who strengthens us. You are the one who redeems us. You are the one who heals us. You are the one who provides for us. So God, we're done with distractions. We just want you. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.